Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so happy to see you. I have a couple of announcements for us this morning. First, on February 14th, we're very excited. We're going to host another drive-through event on our campus. So for Valentine's Day, you come out from 3 to 4.30 in the afternoon, you stay in the safety of your car, and you'll receive all sorts of good treats. You'll get a free Lenten devotional, there'll be live music, special treats for you and your furry friends. If you have a furry friend you'd like to bring along, there'll be more details to come soon, but we wanted you to mark that date. You may even receive a Valentine in the mail from us, so be on the lookout for that. Also, coming up, uh, Pastor Steve is continuing his discussion on Zoom about 20th century saints. There's three more Wednesdays of that. Uh, It's at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. You can visit the website and sign up for that. This week, they're talking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Race in the Church book group and the book discussions continue with a conversation about Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, and Pastor Lori said it was a really powerful, impactful book, so I invite you to um, be a part of that, to um, join them for that conversation. That's on February 15th at 6 p.m., again on Zoom, and you can find more information on the website. Then a couple days later is Ash Wednesday. February 17th is Ash Wednesday this year. We will have a service in the sanctuary at 6.30 p.m. You do need to register for that service, or you can join via live stream. It's a um, really meaningful way to start your 40-day Lenten journey as you can receive the sign of the cross through the imposition of ashes in a creative and safe way. Registration for that service will open up on February 1st. So now as Justin and the um, band make their way forward, I'll share with you that we have our annual reports are done and they're just beautiful. So I invite you to pick one of these up. They'll share with you a little bit about this last year and a look forward to at next year. There's also digital versions on the website. The annual meeting is next Sunday, January 31st. um, immediately following the 9 a.m. service. So we encourage you to come to that. There will not be a 10 a.m. service next week. There's only one service at 9. And so come at 9 a.m. Justin will be over there and um, invite you to come worship at 9 and stay for the annual meeting. It's a really... um, fun and meaningful way to reflect on the year we just have all survived and um, look with hope towards the year ahead of us. And look, um, we elect elders and deacons, we review financial results, and if you're not able to be here in person, please know that you can watch on uh, via live stream at 9 a.m. and then join us on Zoom. So there's three ways to join. You can come in person, you can watch on live stream and then call into Zoom, or you can just dial into the Zoom call to be a part of that annual meeting, and we very much hope to see you there. You can find more information about that on the website. And then just finally, um, student sponsorship effort continues, so if you'd like to support our students, please visit the families page on our website to support them. Thank you. Good morning. There's no place where we can 
you are thinking of me how you love me it's amazing I'm a friend of God I'm a friend of God I'm a friend of God he calls me That you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? to continue worshiping God with our tithes and our offering. And if you're watching at home, you know that you can give online, that you can send a check in, lots of great ways, easy ways. And for us here, we can leave our offering in the baskets on the table as we leave. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for continuing to partner with us as we strive to love God and to love neighbor. So we're going to move into our time of prayer together, and I would love my mic runners to introduce themselves. 
Hello, my name is Gianna. I'm a junior at Venice High School. Hello, my name is Ryan, and I'm a senior at Sarasota Military Academy. And we are going to kick off our prayer time in this season as we started last week. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, we learned that Emily and Frank's son, Matthew Shute, who is serving in the Army, is um, having a particularly difficult time, so much because of COVID. There's a lot of isolation, and there's so much stress on these young people that are serving that he's aware of a lot of people who have even committed suicide during this time. And so our hearts as a family of faith have just gone out to him. And so each week, we are bringing two addresses, if someone would be willing to send, two people, to send a card to him this week from their faith family. And there's one right there. And if we had one more, Ryan, if you would deliver that to Sue. Thank you so much. Um, if you feel so called to do anyway, um, even though you didn't get a, not, a little address card there, uh, his address is on the table when you come in, so you can always take a picture of that. But we're going to do this for a season so we can share our love with um, one of ours from our family. The mic runners will come around and give you the mic if you would like to um, raise your hand and share a concern or a joy that you have, and they'll wipe it off after you have spoken into it so we can keep fairly safe. So how can we be praying on this day? A quick joy. I recently got into UCF, which is really exciting. So. Yay, another senior. Thanks, Olivia. That is a great joy. Thank you for sharing. Love that. How else can we be praying? I did hear from Marion that Mighty Millie and her family really need our prayers this week. So she's the little sweetheart who has pretty serious cancer. And so we need a miracle. So I'd like to just lift Mighty Millie up this week again. Anything else? Yeah. Just, um, we are so blessed to have our daughter in our lives and um, through adoption. Um, and she celebrated her 15th birthday last week. So just really prayers for kids out there in the foster care system and around the world who are waiting for families. Oh. Um, it's very expensive and a long process. I just pray that God would be in it and, and moving people's hearts and minds and just wrapping around those children who need, who need families. Thank you, Emily. What a great prayer for us for this week. Thank you so much. Anything else? All right. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful that you have called us into your family. Lord, we are grateful that in this place you choose our friends. It is not us. And that together we are brothers and sisters, that we are your children. You've heard some of the prayers today, and, and I know that there are more on our hearts. There are, there are joys, and there are sadnesses, and there are fears, and anxiety, and all kinds of things that have to do with mental health, and physical health, and isolation. And Lord, we know that you're aware of it, but we offer that to you. And, and Lord, we pray that you would use us to be a, a bit of light in a world that can sometimes feel so dark. Continue, Lord, to be a presence in our life so that we might reflect your love everywhere we go.
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yes, I would love to put another pitch in for the 9 o'clock service next week. Uh, we, uh, we would love to have you there. We are going to try to enact something that's very important to the Presbyterian Church, which is uh, meeting as a congregation to carry out the democratic um, principles of our tradition, which is that the people of God get to gather together and to hear what the work of the church is about and to enact uh, and to raise up leadership, vote for people who are going to be our future leaders. And so I'd love to have you come and be a part of that very brief service that will precede this uh, very brief meeting. And um, I'm setting as a goal to get us out by 10 o'clock, 9 to 10, service, message, meeting. Wow, and you're all going to be watching your watches while I'm doing that. So, um, so and, and uh, our friend Justin will be there playing, so we'll be grateful for your, uh, your presence there next week. So today we uh, continue in our look at the fruit of the spirit of kindness. You may recall that last week we considered a couple stories from the New Testament, one of uh, the story about Jesus encountering the demoniac, and then also Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. And through that, we were pondering the risk of kindness, that kindness brings risk. And then today, we're going to take a look at, with those stories in the back of our minds, these three short verses that come to us from the book of Job. You may remember the book of Job. It's this great biblical book, this great story in the Old Testament about uh, the biblical character of Job, who epitomizes suffering and doubt and lament. So today, we're going to, through that story ponder the kindness of time, the kindness of time. So to that end, let's hear the word of God from Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Now when Job's three friends heard of all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes, threw dust in the hair in the air upon their heads. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We thank you, O oh God, for your word. We thank you, O oh God, for your spirit that would seek to evoke within us the spirit of kindness. We pray, O oh Lord, that we may uh, hear through these words an echo of the word just read and the word that we know that was made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. A week or so ago, a friend of mine passed along an article he found in the New York Times about a 74-year-old guy named Frank Miller over in Texas who had a hankering to have a catch. He had been walking around his house 
gripping and tossing a baseball, remembering his days as a high school and college pitcher and thinking about how nice it would be just to go out and have a catch. So his wife posted on the neighborhood app next door that her husband was looking to have a catch and would anyone want to join him? Pretty soon people responded. A mother volunteered her son. Middle-aged men said, yes, old guys like Frank jumped at the chance. Frank's wife posted the time and the place where this little game of catch might take place. Not really sure that anyone would actually come, but they came. About a dozen altogether of every age and ilk, including four from the North Dallas high school baseball team. Some of these guys hadn't thrown a baseball for 35 years. Others revealed their rusty catching, and others sometimes short-hopped their throws. But there they were, finding time for a catch and getting to know each other. Neighbors, old men talking to young men about their backgrounds, some exchanging contacts for future employment opportunities, all of it happening while up in Washington they were trying to sort out an attack upon the Capitol. I just think, Frank said in the understatement of the year, I just think people want to reconnect these days. Frank Miller and his impromptu time of catch brings to mind the ending of one of my all-time favorite movies, Field of Dreams, where the baseball enthusiast Ray Kinsella builds himself a baseball field that turns out to be where all the late great baseball stars of early baseball history return for the chance to play again. Smokey Joe Wood, Mel Ott, Gil Hodges, Shoeless Joe Jackson, and dozens of others. But what Ray doesn't understand is that subconsciously what he most wants is for his father to come back the one who, with whom he shared most the love of baseball, but he and his father had had a falling out, and they hadn't taken the time to sort it out before his father had passed. So at the end of this field of dreams, his father returns finally, and the only thing that, Frank, that Ray can think to ask is, Dad, do you want to have a catch? Asking to have a catch is, I suppose, the same thing as asking to have some time I remember the hours I spent playing catch with my father and brothers, and there really wasn't any point to it except that it gave you a good excuse to have some time. Asking for a catch is the same, I suppose, as asking for the chance to have a cup of coffee or to asking to have a walk or asking to have a visit, all in the effort to find some time. Some of us remember the old classic Harry Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle, about the boy and his father, the father's a busy guy, lots of work, lots of things going on, and doesn't seem to have the time the boy wants, and Chapin hauntingly sings the chorus, and the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon, when you're coming home, dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, you'll know we'll have a good time then. But the time never turns out to be good for dear old dad. It's an interesting question we get asked when someone needs our attention, they ask, is, is this a good time? And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes we've got other things to do. Sometimes it's just a lucky moment when they ask and we actually have nothing else better to do. Is this a good time? It may have been the question the beaten man was asked, asking on the side of the road. Last week we wondered about the Good Samaritan and the willingness on his part to put his trip on hold to help this poor guy in the ditch. Is this a good time? The beaten man wordlessly asks. Well, no, actually. Actually, I've got a 10, an 11, and a 12, and after that, plans for lunch. 
Is this a good time? Princeton Theological Seminary, where I went to seminary, nine years before I got there, was the scene of a very interesting experiment. And the experiment was conducted by two professors at Princeton University, John Darley and Daniel Batson, and the experiment went this way. Several students from Princeton Seminary were selected and asked to give a speech over at Princeton University. The two institutions are about a block apart from each other. One half of these seminarians was asked to speak on why they chose to study theology. The other half were asked to speak on the parable of the Good Samaritan. All the students were required to walk individually and at different times over to a place a couple blocks away where they were to deliver the speech. Now, along the path, these researchers planted an actor who was to feign acute illness, coughing, slumped over, groaning. And the question was, who would stop to help this critically ill man? Would the people who had just prepared a speech on the Good Samaritan, would they be more likely to stop than the others who were there to say why they studied theology. Well, not only was that a variable, but the other variable was, built into the experiment, was that one half of each group of students, before they left, were all of a sudden told that they were late for their speech and they had no time in their schedules. The other half was told that they had more than enough time and the results are what you can imagine. It turned out that the content of the students' speeches had very little to do with whether they stopped for the man who was on the side of the road. It didn't matter what they were speaking about. The Good Samaritan story was of no significance. What mattered most was whether or not they thought they had the time. 60% of those who had more than enough time helped the critically ill man. 10% of those who were in a hurry stopped. Is this a good time? We are so vulnerable, are we not, to our own schedules? So when the prophet says that one of the things that the Lord requires of us is to love kindness, remember, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with our God, love kindness, don't you wonder if one of the ways of falling in love with kindness is falling out of love with your obsession with yourself? Now hear me when I say this, that Jesus has no interest in you in not valuing yourself, not loving yourself. Jesus has no interest in convincing you to not take care of yourself, not be kind to yourself. Jesus says we are to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, but sometimes we can love ourselves all the way to the point that we think that the time we have been given is actually ours. That when somebody asks, is this a good time, we actually think they're asking us about our schedules, when maybe sometimes what they're asking is not, is this a good time for you, but rather, can you make this a good time for me? Falling in love with kindness is this journey of reorienting yourself to wonder if the purpose of my life is less about me and more about this person who's asking for a little bit of my time. Because one of the greatest ways for us to show our love for kindness is through the generosity of our time. Which turns me to these three short verses in the book of Job. Most of us know the story of Job, the great Old Testament story, grappling with the issues of suffering and the causes of suffering. And Job loses about everything, his house, his family, his health. He's covered with sores and his dear wife wonders if it wouldn't be better off if he just ended his life. 
Then word gets out to the neighboring towns. It's Job's three friends who hear the news, and they meet, and they make their way to where Job sits and suffers. And they lament with their friend, and they weep with their friend, and they tear their robes for their friend, and they throw dust on their heads for their friend. And then it says this. Scripture says, They sat with Job on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was great. For seven days and seven nights, all that Job's friends gave him was their time. Later, they decide to give their opinions, and that's when things go off the rails. But for the first seven days and seven nights, all they get, all they give Job is their time. Time is the currency of kindness. If there's anyone who needs to hear this sermon, it's me. The pot is calling the kettle black here. If there's anyone who is overly obsessed with my time, it's me. Cramming my schedule, no room for margin, rushing on to the next thing like the priest and the Levite, walking past the beaten man and wondering if I really have the time for the unexpected need, the unexpected request, the unexpected query, is this a good time? And oh, I know, I know, I know. It's complicated and it's not simple. And there are often important things we have to choose between. And I also know that to fall in love with kindness for me means I have to fall out of obsession with my schedule. Don Wardlaw, once a professor preaching at McCormick Seminary, tells the story of going to his father's funeral. His father was a Presbyterian minister, and so at his funeral there were lots of folks who came back to tell him of what his father's ministry had meant to them, and one of them was the custodian who had once worked for his father. The man had moved away, but he returned for the funeral, and he came to Don and said, you know, your dad was very important and special to me. Oh, I know, Leon, you were very important to him. No, 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 you don't understand, Leon said. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for your dad. I wouldn't be here if he hadn't been with me through that horrible night. What, what horrible night? Well, during that time, your dad was the pastor of this church, and I was working with him. You probably don't remember this because you were a little boy, but my wife died suddenly. She was only 34 years old. She was putting out the clothes on the line of the backyard and had a massive heart attack, and she died probably before she hit the ground. We had four small kids. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I was devastated. I was so emotionally drained that when I got home, I fell across the bed. I remember lying there in that bed, and it had gotten dark. And I looked up at one point, and I could see your dad. Your dad had come into the room and was sitting in the rocking chair next to the bed, and he was just rocking, just rocking. He wasn't saying a thing. He just sat there rocking. All night long, I'd wake up and I'd reach over to where my wife would usually be in the bed and there was this emptiness and a thousand arrows would pierce my heart. And I wondered, how in the world was I going to go on? And then out of the corner of my eye, I could see your dad rocking. Rocking. Rocking all night long. And it was the rocking that got me through that night. Time is the currency of kindness. 
Don't you wonder if there is no other currency this old hurting world needs more than the currency of time? Time to sit, time to talk, time for a catch, time for a coffee, time for friendship to form, time to understand someone with whom you vehemently disagree, time to walk in somebody else's shoes, time just to be. If kindness is going to make any difference, it will come through the currency of our time. Attention, wrote Simone Weil, attention is the rarest form and purest form of generosity. Do you remember Derek Black? A young white nationalist and unashamed leader and heir apparent of the white nationalist movement, a movement that advocates for the separation of the races and suspicion of every culture other than white European descent, an anti-Semitic force that denies the Holocaust. Derek Black, this young leader in this movement, enrolled up at New College just up the street as a first-year student a few years ago, and for a short time had managed to remain undercover. But the word got out, and he got outed on social media, and you can imagine the vitriol, the response of fellow students, staff, faculty, shaming, name-calling, threats, etc., etc. He feared for his life, and many thought that was a good thing. But then one Matthew Stevenson, a fellow student and observant Jew, who in the midst of the shaming and the name-calling and the threats invited Derek to join him in his room for Shabbat dinner, Friday night. Matthew had made it his practice to host a Shabbat dinner in his room each week and to invite friends. So when hearing of Derek's outing, Matthew kindly invited the enemy to spend some time at dinner, Shabbat dinner, not a debate, not an inquisition, not to a trial of ideas, just for dinner and some time together. And Derek accepted and attended the first week and the second week and the third week and all the weeks after that for two years, never talking about the elephant in the room, the profound hatred each had for the other's identity and perspective. But over the generosity of time, the two formed a deep friendship. And then came the cognitive dissonance. Then came the question, how can I hate someone I love? And soon afterward, Derek renounced his membership in the white supremacy movement, and the two young men have been around the nation ever since, speaking together about their story. Time is the currency of kindness. Don't you wonder with all the silliness that's going on, with all the vitriol, with all the virus that's going around, with all the division that's pulling us apart, don't you wonder if to some degree or another we're all on the side of the road wounded? And don't you wonder if we're all in need for someone to listen, if we're all asking each other the same question, is this a good time? And they sat with Job on the ground for seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was great. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Let us pray.
Oh God, we confess to you that we don't have much time. We've got things to do, places to go, people to see. We've got classes to study for. We've got chores to do, errands to run. And we are deaf sometimes to that question, is this a good time? So we ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to be converted. Converted maybe more away from ourselves and our schedules to discover again that we may really have the time and that through our time we may be kind. In Jesus' name, amen. Lead me to your heart. 
down Lead me up myself I belong to you Oh, lead me Lead me to the cross Lay your love poured out Lead me to my knees Lord, I lay me down led to the cross and there find the kindness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit hovering above us, loving us despite the sacrifice. So we offer our time as a sacrifice to you, O God, and pray that we may find those moments where it's less about ourselves and more about the one who is on the side of the road. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.